Tonight is part two of the new series that we're doing, which is called Disciple Shift. I don't know where you got that from, Tim, but I really like it. Where are you? You're there. Where did you get it from? Or did you, the Lord give it to you? You can't. Why don't, you, why don't you claim that you did, even if you didn't? <laughs> but I think it's great. Disciple shift. It's really, really good. Uh, how to be resilient disciples. And Tim spoke brilliantly last week about resilience, about being faithful, keeping going through the high times, through the low times, through the valleys, through the mountaintop experiences, and everything like that. And tonight is part two, which is all about the shift from Jesus come and fix my life, there's nothing wrong with that. To Jesus, you are my life. There should be a slide for that, I think, Jess. There you go. So we're going to look at the scripture from Galatians 2.20, which if you'd like to put the slide up, we'll read that together from the NIV. A familiar verse, I'm sure. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Uh, an alternative translation, which is also coming up on a slide, is from the message version. Now, I don't, I don't normally like the message much, because it's a bit, I find it, just find it a little bit shallow, but this is actually quite good. And it says this in the message translation. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous Next, before you, or have your good opinion, and I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, inverted commas, but it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, and I'm not going to go back on that. Is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free, in my relationship with God, I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. When, when um, people say to me, well, you brought up as a, a Christian, and I wasn't. My, nobody in my family is a Christian apart from me and Karen. We're the only ones. We weren't brought up that way. And my perception of what church and Christianity was like was like that, was that it was a bunch of rules and you had to go do a load of stuff and, you know, not have any fun and be kind of very serious and everything like that. And it wasn't until I encountered God by his Holy Spirit, it wasn't until I had a personal experience and encounter with Jesus through his Holy Spirit that I realized that it's none of those things. It's all about relationship with him who loves us. And it's all about, I live my life for you because I love you. I don't do stuff that is gonna harm, that is gonna grieve your spirit because I love you. I don't do it because I have to or that I'm obligated to, although there is some truth in that. I do it 
because I love you. If you think about those of us who are married, you know, if we're tempted to do stuff, we don't do it because we know it's wrong, but because we love our wives. It's the same thing. We love God. We love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's relationship, not rules, not regulations, not keeping doing all the stuff we know we're supposed to do in order to impress him and gain brownie points because there are no brownie points. So it says that I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? It means that if we have accepted and trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we have been in the Spirit co-crucified with him on the execution stake. The tree that they put him on the rulers of, and, the, and the Jewish leaders and everybody else that put him on the execution stake because he claimed to be the son of God and yet death could not hold him. Three days later, he rose again. So if we believe in him, if we trust in him, we have been co-crucified with him. The old way of life has gone. How many people here have been baptized? Put your hand up if you've been baptized. If you haven't, and you want to get baptized, see Tim. But that time when you were baptized, and when we went under the water, and uh, I have a friend who said to me one time, I got baptized in the Jordan River. Surely that trumps your baptism, because you only got baptized in the swimming pool in the YMCA in Croydon. <laughs> and I said, I don't, I don't know if it does or not, but you know, I'm sure that God is pleased with us both. But if you remember when we got baptized, it was a symbolic thing. It actually comes from something Hebraic, which I won't go into now. But it's about immersed, being immersed in water, being immersed in the water of the Spirit, so that the old way of life, the old sinful, fleshy nature is immersed, and that we are raised symbolically together with Christ in the glorious power of a new life. So the old has gone, the new has come. Now, I don't know what your experience was, but my experience was I got baptized quite soon after I became a Christian. And straight after that, uh, I experienced quite a lot of spiritual warfare. And I didn't really know what it was at the time, but fortunately I had people that helped me and explained it to me and prayed for me. And um, that was quite an eye-opener to me, really. So... Trusting in him, what does it mean? It means we have a completely new way of life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite scriptures, although I've got loads of favorite scriptures, especially in Ephesians and Hebrews. It says, the old has gone and the new has come, that we are new creations in him, not of ourselves, but in him. Tim spoke this morning Brilliantly, and one of the things he said was he talked about holiness and positional holiness and progressive holiness. In other words, positionally stood before God right now in Christ, we are holy, blameless, righteous, free from accusation, without blemish. The old has all gone. He doesn't see the old. The new has come, and yet that outworking of the new is a progressive thing. It doesn't happen literally overnight. It's an outworking Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Mark 8, 34 to 35. Here's something that flies in the face of culture 
today, the culture, like it says in that scripture, my ego is no longer central. The culture of self, uh, self-talk, self-help, self-actualization, if I can even say it properly, none of, that, none of those things are bad. They're all good, actually. I mean, if you struggle with mental health, I would say that a lot of those things are really, really good. But this is what the scripture says. This is what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. A man is not justified by works, although works are good, because works are evidence of our faith in action. But we're not justified by that. Because if, if we were, then Christ died for nothing. I've been crucified with him on the execution stake, co-crucified. The old is gone, the new has come. It's no longer I who live. Greek word for I is ego. In other words, the ego is all about me, myself, and I. It's all about me and me, 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 and putting myself on the throne of my world and everything like that. You know those songs we sing? Uh, the old Matt Redman one. It's all about me, as if you should do things my way. Remember that one? Or have I got the words wrong? <laughs> I think I've got the words slightly the wrong way. That's probably more true, though. Colossians 3 says, my life is hidden in Christ. Here's a good quote I found. It means that if we are in him, we, have, we experience death to the jurisdiction of one's own ego. We are no longer driven and controlled by our own egos. We are Christ-centered, not self-centered. In other words, the ego, the I that no longer lives, anything where we put myself on the throne instead of God. It doesn't mean... Suppress your personality or deny your calling. It doesn't mean that if you're called to be, I don't know, a worship pastor in a Baptist church that you go, oh, no, I must deny that. Instead, I'll go and be a missionary in Mongolia or something like that. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean suppress your personality or deny your calling. But it means that we no longer put ourselves on the throne of our lives. We put him on the throne. Humility is believing and agreeing with God who says, with, with who, what he says we are and who we are. And false humility is disagreeing with that and saying, oh yeah, but I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm just a humble, I'm just a worm, Lord. You know, Uriah Heep. If we are in Christ, we are in seamless, personal, relational, intimate, forever union and communion with him. And it's a mystical thing. You know, I think sometimes we, if we tend to veer on the academic side of things, we can easily miss out on the mysterious things of God. Here's another quote I found, which says this. I don't know if we got this on a slide, Jess, or not. It's quite a long one. Maybe in the next one. What's the next one? No, okay, we haven't, all right. It says this, I no longer live, 
as an egocentric person in obedience to all my selfish passions and desires, for Christ is now at the center of my life. Now I live in obedience to him, for him, for he loves me and gave himself for me in sacrifice on the cross. The daily battle, the daily struggle for most of us is the battle against the flesh, the sin nature, the evil inclination that Tim alluded to this morning in his preach. What is that nature? It's the nature that says, no, God, you're not on the throne. Nobody else is on the throne. I am on the throne. Anything that, where I put myself on the throne instead of Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 4, the account of Cain and Abel. Both bring an offering to God. One is acceptable, one is not. One's face falls and he's angry at his brother and goes out and murders him. And his blood is crying out from the ground. And this is what God says to him. He says, sin or the, the sinful nature, the flesh, the evil inclination is crouching at the door. And if you look at the, the original for that word crouching, it's like literally it's about, it's waiting to pounce. It's just, you know, I've, I've got a cat who's coming up 17 years old. And sometimes, you know when a cat gets like an excess energy and they go bounding around the room and sometimes I walk in and she's just like crouching there with her eyes wide and she's about to pounce on me. It's like that. Sin is crouching at the door and it says it desires to have you but you must master it. It's the same for us. The sinful nature seeks to resurrect itself. It seeks, seeks to come off off the cross, seeks to come up off the baptism floor is crouching at the door and it seeks to have us, but we need to master it. The inclination towards the evil nature and putting our self and ego on the throne instead of Christ is a daily battle, but we must master it. What does that mean? It means that we must rule over it. We must govern over it as sons and daughters of the Most High. And how do we do that? And it's really simple, and yet sometimes it's complicated. We do that by, we live by the Spirit. We be led by the Spirit. In other words, it took me a long time to realize that when I read the Scripture and certain things where it tells you to do stuff, and I'm like, I just find that really difficult in my own strength. We're supposed to say, God, I find that really difficult. Holy Spirit, would you come and help me? It only took me about 25 years to figure that out. <laughs> but it's how we do it. How do we overcome the daily battle against the evil inclination, sin nature, the ego wanting to be enthroned on our, on our throne? We say, Holy Spirit, I need your help today. Help me to overcome this. Help me to do this. Help me to live by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. It went, it's when we say, God, this is my agenda but I'm laying it all down because your agenda might be something different. It means even in, as somebody prayed and testified beautifully earlier on, even in the highs and the lows, we trust you. You're on the throne, even in the lows, even when I don't understand, even when it freaks me out because I cannot see the outcome of the circumstances, even when I can't see what's going to happen and I feel out of control, 
I'm still putting you on the throne. I'm still making you central. I'm still trusting in you. I'm going to look beyond the, the, the things that I see right now so that I receive all my strength from you. I trust you completely. And my humble trust is how I get the strength that I need for my life.